welcome witches to another episode of the cauldron of gaming this is a bonus round you have qualified to enter and get more prizes i guess and increase your user gamer score uh this is your host frankie i'm joined by josh hello hello today we're doing a spoiler cast right now you have spoiler alerts for 13 sentinels aegis rim um the game that uh only josh and i played um because it was a brave effort um a game that's a big effort to get into it's very long very complicated um if you haven't played 13 sentinels aegis rim and you're just listening to this for fun i would highly recommend that you at least give the effort to play it if you want to if you have any interest play this game before you listen to this episode we're going to spoil everything we're going to talk about pretty much all the characters all the story beats uh what everything means um as far as our understanding goes (laughs) um yeah before we start digging into this very deep and deep game josh i want to know if you liked it and i want uh, your review score from one out of ten one to ten I I would say um, I enjoyed the hell out of this game. I would give it a nine out of a ten. Absolutely. Because you 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 enjoy complicated stories, you said. Oh yeah, if you give me, if I was going to like uh, brief, like brief impressions, uh, I would say, yeah. So if y'all have been listening to previous episodes that we've had and heard me speak, uh, you'll know that I enjoy convoluted storylines, and this game also has mechs in it. And so it gave me two things that I absolutely enjoy in video games. And this game has so many twists, so many what the, what the fucks in it. And I, God, it was just, uh, it shiver, I set that shiver up my spine, like when certain things happened. And I would say if I were to look at it from all the games that have come out so far for 2020, this is probably when it comes to a narrative and complicated storytelling, I would say this game takes a kick. This will definitely be on uh, one of my nominees for Game of the Year. I would give it like an 8.5 out of 10 for me because um, playing, it, it's, okay, um, briefly getting into it, it's, it's weird that the different parts of the game are divided from battle to story, and the story can get a little bit long in the tooth where some parts I was like bored and I was just like, oh my God, please, I just want this part of the story to end. And then sometimes um, I would be repeating parts because I just couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. So I'd still be stuck at like 67% on some character, even though I played it like three times. I'd be like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) But uh, in the end, it was worth it because the story is unique, um, interesting, well thought out, and totally amazing, I thought. a story I haven't been told before and um, a story I think worth telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Atlas, I guess I uh, outdone, your, Atlas, you've outdone yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Considering their last game was dragon's crown. Was that what it was? Maybe, maybe. Cause I don't even know if that was what it was called. I know, Atlas, I know. Atlas publishes so many games. They're so good. at. Well, I mean this games, specific yeah. company though, that did this, the specific oh. studio. Okay. At, yeah. But like uh, their 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 game before this wasn't narrative deep like this one was. It, it was just like a side scrolling beat 'em up, similar art style. And I didn't bring that up. I love the art style. Uh, the graphics are gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the battle system, though not as gorgeous, was 
really fun. I loved it. You know, I think, yeah, I think we had talked about this a, 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 a while ago, but like, I think the only way the battle system could have been any better is if they had used a similar art style or a similar, oh yeah, similar or similar art style, I guess, as a game like uh, Front Mission 3. Right. If you ever played that game. Like that's, like, I did. That, that game, and I think that game, like, honestly, I think like if Aegis Room had had like, you know, some type of where you could see the mechs instead of just like an icon, it would have made the game a little bit better. But some parts were exciting. Um, I guess oh, if yeah. we're going to get into it first, let's talk about the battle system just to get that out of the way because there's not much to talk about there. No. But some of the attacks did kind of have a cool impression. Like um, the Type 3, I think, Sentinels, the long-range Sentinels, uh, some of them could get an ability called like a well, – I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a, a, a rocket barrage. And when you fired it in a certain area, you would just see white circles, like countless white circles pop up and just like mm. missiles raining down forever. And yeah. it took a lot of your, um, like your, your skill points to use that, but it was mm. so worth it. Cause it was like so gratifying to see like all these missiles, all that area effect thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my favorite abilities in that whole game, but I, I think, think type- um, go ahead. Yeah. I think the type four, uh, had an ability where it could jump to a spot and then it would just shoot missiles everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I used that a that lot. Was, those mm-hmm. were those were the flying sentinels, right? Yeah, the flying sentinels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we go through it one by one, we had the Type One sentinels, which were mainly melee. Gen ones. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. Gen. Gen. Okay. Gen yep. two was like kind of a mix of uh, close range and long or medium. Correct. Range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gen three was mainly long range, and then yes. Gen four was like a flying type. Yeah, the aerial, yeah, the aerial sentinels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite type? Uh, gen ones. Although, actually, it's a toss up between Gen four and Gen ones because the Gen ones were great because they could get in there and they had an ability that was like a chainsaw like punch that they would do. It would do massive damage. It just massive. You damage. rely on the bosses. Yeah, yeah, they were like a key. Like um, almost every every time you went out into battle, you had at least you had to have at least one of them in your party. And then uh, I like the Gen Fours because I think it was I want to say uh, there's a couple characters for the Gen Fours that you could get the uh, their last ability, which brings up drones. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some of them up, uh, you could upgrade it to summon more drones. Yeah, up to like five or six, five. It's like up to five drones. And so if you were if you played it in a certain way, like my playstyle was to have like you, if I could have two of those in my party, and they would just spam putting those things out in the field, and then they would go out and do their thing. And it made like the, for instance, the final mission, the final battle mission, super super easy for me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. My style was different, actually. My favorite were the Gen 2s. Mm-hmm. I always made sure to have at least one or two Gen 2s in every battle I had because they have an ability to launch a turret. And yes. every turn I had yes. for one of those, I would make a turret. And then by the end of the battle, there'd be like 20 turrets, and they were just like constantly killing everybody. And by the mm-hmm. end of the battle, it would constantly be it, it would constantly be them being MVPs because they took no damage and they did the most damage mm-hmm. just because they had so many turrets out there. Hell yeah, turrets constantly won me those battles. I agree. Yeah, same thing. With, 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 I think I was kind of. I think you and I may have had a similar one. I just used Gen fours a lot too with the Gen twos because uh, I drop the turrets in the center area, just only mm-hmm. put them in that center area, and then have my Gen fours toss up their toss up their uh, rope, their their drones. It was just like uh, fireworks. <laughs> I think I didn't use Gen fours drones that much, just because it took so much ability points. But uh, Gen one, 
I constantly had like, again, one or two Gen 1s there because they're so powerful. And every time you get into battle, there's going to be at least like one enemy with high HP. So you use those ones to take those ones out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Gen 1, the Gen 1s and Gen 4s were really good at taking out the big enemies. Because the Gen 4s Gen had four. an ability. Yeah, because they had an ability where it was like Lake Spike. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I kind of, I just relied on my Gen 1s to do like mega damage and my Gen 2s to just do general damage. And then control, the other two, I just kind of yeah. did like area of effect t- kind of thing to eliminate the smaller enemies. Mm. But uh, of course, your strategy changed. There were definitely battles where, um, since this is a spoiler cast, um, there's that <laughs> battle where um, Inaba is uh, going to flow out of communication range and they ask her to sing a song before she floats out of range so that okay. they know she's gone. Do you remember that battle where you hear that song playing? Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember it. But yes, I know uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. So that's one of the battles I had to change my um my strategy for because it's such a long battlefield that my sent my uh my Gen 2s doing turrets just wasn't gonna do it because there's enemies like way down like out of range that we have to like move forward and kind of like do a, a charge instead of me just like planting myself and protecting the um the whatever they call it the like data point that we're protecting nexuses i think something yeah like the that. nexus yeah. that sounds familiar yeah yeah that sounds uh-huh. right okay. <laughs> that battle in particular i remember having a lot of fun with just because i really like the song and then like us having to change our strategy where we just have to like push forward mm-hmm. and uh my gen twos couldn't just be laying turrets out because they're, they're not approaching us we have to approach them and then we as we approach them it was like a mega boss that was doing mega damage mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, even though the as simplistic as the battle system was, I still thought it was a good touch for what the what they were trying the story they were trying to tell. Yeah, I didn't think it was like a hard game, but um, it was a fun game mm-hmm. as far as battles went. Mm-hmm. Where do we start with this story? <laughs> well, hmm. if you could pick one protagonist, like who would you think is the character out of all the thirteen characters that you get to play as? Who do you think is the key? the key protagonist in the game it's tough because i would say like uh juro kurabe kind of seems like he would be put in the front but i also think natsuno minami kind of had a really important start or important part of the story uh Mm -hmm. and same with shu amiguchi okay I can see that but you can also look the argument can be made too that uh asa kigahara was pretty important too so yes. as Iori Fuyusaka. <laughs> like, they're all important. Yeah. Or Tomi uh, Kisaragi. Even. Or Tomi Kisaragi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you. I think that uh, Juro is absolutely the key, the central character. So we could talk about Juro. Um, yeah. So I guess what I would first say about this story is that you're basically high school students in 1985, right? Yes. So Mm -hmm. you've got these 13, well, actually not all of them are there, but um, they're in high school and uh, Juro Karabe, um, let me see. He, sorry for the page flipping, by the way, I had to take notes (laughs) on paper to get all this down. Uh, Juro Karabe kind of starts in high school and he uh, is really into movies. Um, Kaiju movies in particular. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, Kyoto Shuba or Kyoto Shiba is his best friend who gives him videos to watch. And um, they're also friends with uh, Shu Amiguchi, who they like to hang out with because he's rich and he has a video. All the cool stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Juro kind of, um, I kind of like, okay. So Juro um, kind of bonds with Shu Amiguchi because they kind of um, both like the same type of movies. Where would you say Juro's story kind of goes from there? I think he kind of like has a little bit of um, relating to Shu because they have the same type of dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shu, him and Shu, hell, even uh, eventually you find out that even Iori Fuyusaka has this is having the same dreams. Yeah, that, she, uh, uh, Shu and uh, Juro have been talking about their dreams and then Chihiro kind of overhears them and then joins in. Oh, you said Shihiro. Yusaka, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. No, I mean that it's. I mean, as we get into it, you know, all it's kind of crazy. Like we meet other characters and you find out who they are, like who they relate to, who in the at the thirteen characters you play as. It's but, hard to get too ahead of myself. Oh, it's all good. Oh no, I think that we're gonna probably jump all over the place in the story. So we apologize if we jump all over the place. It's kind of <laughs> literally when you play the game, you're jumping all over the place when you're playing it too. Yeah, so (laughs) yeah, the thing is, like, you get to choose where you start your story and whose stories you go through. Um, There's limits placed on some stories because you'll get to, like, maybe, I don't know, like 30% of somebody's story, and it'll be like, hey, you can't play the rest until you play Juro Kurabe's blah, blah, blah event, and so on with all the other characters. So you can't, like, play one character's story all the way through and then just go to the next and so on, so on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was go ahead and tell me a uh, Juro Karabe story. <laughs> Juro Karabe story. His story. Well, man, if you want to think about convoluted in this storytelling, his he's got one hell of a complicated story. Um, I know, he's a hard one to start with. He really is. Even though it's the first character you actually play as. <laughs> uh, so Juro, uh, forgive me if I, if I, you know, miss, miss some of the things here. And I know, yeah, you're right. He like he talks to uh, Hiba and he talks to Shu, and they well, Hiba doesn't say much, but when it comes to Shu, yeah, they talk about having the same dreams. You mean uh, Shiba? Shiba, yes, like you call it, yeah, Shiba. My bad. I'm gonna think about the Shiba, well, the, the dog Shiba, the, <laughs> Shiba, <laughs> Shiba Inu, whatever the dogs are called. You could call him Kuta too, because I, Q- I just think of yeah, him Q-ta? as like Q-T-A. Yeah, yeah, Kuta. Yeah. I'll do my best. Uh, anyway. I can't remember exactly what happens as far as like what is his first coming, but I want to say he ends up seeing, Oh, he doesn't, he see a Sentinel. Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then his memories kind of get wiped of that. Yeah. I guess if, Oh God. So this sucks because all their stories intersect. The reason that he sees a Sentinel is because, um, Oh God, where's that picture chart? I have Yakushiji shoots, Amiguchi um, with nano machines, but he's the first one to react in a way where a sentinel um, automatically gets summoned and he goes into it and it flies off. And uh, Juro sure? is there. That's what he sees. Oh, because right. Yeah, he's that's right. Because yeah, Yakushiji shoots uh, Shu Amaguchi. Amaguchi jumps right into the uh, jumps right into the sentinel and flies off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You probably just said that. <laughs> so, okay. 
spirit. But yeah, but I don't know if that was, I mean, I, I, I think I said we're probably going to jump around because I, for some reason, with Shu. With, uh, with, uh, we oh, have to, jump, they're, they're all yeah. connected. With so Karabe, um, you know, you know, I think Karabe also, he ends up, while in that first play part, you can actually go to the nurse's office and you meet somebody named um, Shihori, uh, what was her name? The busty lady. The super busty lady. Chihiro. Um, Morimura. Chihiro yeah. Morimura. Yeah, Chihiro uh, first Morimura. First off, though, the reason that he goes there is because he has to deliver papers, papers. for some reason. And he goes yeah. there and he sees like medical records of himself. Mm-hmm. Him and some other people. Mm-hmm. So, and Chihiro Morimura is insanely, an insanely important character. Hell, when I was Biggest playing Biggest boobs. Oh, she was voluptuous. But like in a thank you, please... <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say side side uh, topic. Did you find her attractive? I did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she was a little too busty in my opinion because I don't like it when they're too big. But <laughs> she has back problems. <laughs> he has to, and the way she walks is always she's always sticking her butt out too, and she's got a fine butt too. But still, <laughs> but and she's when you those ugly slippers, so <laughs> <laughs> when she but when she wears the cat suit, <laughs> yeah. God. She looks great in the cat suit, but she's always she like facing backwards, so you see her ass. And then, I, I think, I think that was intentional. I'm pretty sure it was intentional. They had to give us some fanfare. It's as pretty typical when you see mechs in a game, or mechs in a game, or mechs in, a, in an anime. You usually get fan, you get male fanfare with the females. Forgive that loud truck. That's my neighbor coming home. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So you end up finding out that. Uh, Jiro, his memories are a different memory. They're, they're like, like new memories because when you meet uh, Megumi Yakushi, Yakushiji, he's, he, it turns out he's living with her. And to jump to Megumi, no, not trying to, but Megumi is trying to bring back his previous memories. I don't think it's, um, I think we should mention that. What's her name? God damn it. Hold on. Fuyusaka? It was uh, the other Kurabe. What's her name? Oh, give me a moment. Give me a moment. What is her Tamao. name? Tamao. Tamao. Yes. Tamao yeah. grants permission for um, Yakushiji to live with Juro. That's correct. But that's not worth uh, overshadowing. It is not. No. Uh, Tamao is actually insanely important. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that ends up happening. And I, I want to say... He, Jiro doesn't really know that if initially doesn't realize that he had the memories he has are not actually his memories. And there's a connection to, uh, is it not Shiba? Kuto? Kuta Shiba? Kuta Shiba. Has as a big deal, has a, as a, a huge deal, has something really big deal to do with him. Now, if we jump to Megumi, now, Frankie, I think I asked you about this, but Megumi ends up starting to talk to a cat. <laughs> hmm. This cat says he's basically from another world that got destroyed by the kaiju that are attacking the city. How do we even talk about this story? Because, so hard. Because Megumi, uh, if we have to mention, she actually comes from the future. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so to break it down, like Juro Kurabe is not a person. It's a facsimile. It's a fake personality yes. developed because Juro had brain damage, massive brain damage, because he actually, in another time, many years in the future, stayed in a Sentinel too long to fight off the Daimos, um, which caused brain damage to him. Uh, he was Juro Izumi 
at that time. But in that time, he was also with Shinonome, or not Shinonome, Yakushiji, and they were in a relationship and they were in love. And the reason he was in the uh, Sentinel for so long was to protect her. Correct. But then he had that brain damage. So he was actually transported back in time by Chihiro and Goto, I believe. And then they put him on medication and tried to alter his memories just so that they could keep him alive. But, oh, God. I don't even know. That's that's a whole thing with 426 also, mm-hmm. which I don't know if we have to get into yet. But basically, Shinonome, she travels back in time too, and she meets Kurabe. He doesn't remember who she is, and she's heartbroken by it. And there's a cat who's like, hey, I'll restore his memories for you, but you have to help me seal these witches by shooting them with a gun. And she's like, yes. she's apprehensive at first, but she's so in love with Juro Izumi it's that me. she's like, okay, I'll do it not knowing that she's actually putting nanomachines into these people who she has a list of. Aren't those nanomachines to make it so that the Sentinels can be powered up and improve? I think it's powered up, improved, and to also call the Daimos. I mean, the Daimos are also being called um, by basically Natsu no Minami. I think the the reason that the Daimos are, be, are being called is actually... Ooh, okay, so we're just going to skip around. We're the reason to. that the Daimos are being called is because of Shina Nome. That's what I basically gathered. Because Shina Nome, she was obsessed with Ida. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's true. Not, but he yeah, was, yeah, Ida, yeah. yeah you're right. Ida was using Shina Nome to get things done for him because he, he wanted... Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so Ida was in love with Kisaragi, but she died... And so he kind of saved her her AI. He saved her into he uploaded her into an AI and saved her as a machine. But he was like trying to kind of like get the the next group of people to he was trying to raise the next what was her name? Tomi Kisaragi to he was gonna replace the human Kisaragi, the independent one, mm. with the Kisaragi that he fell in love with. But the right the AI Kisaragi didn't want to take over her life. Right. And so Ida was kind of using Shinonome to start a new loop. God, where do I even start? <laughs> so hard. So, okay. How about I start here? I'm going to start with the background of the story so we can like kind of just splay it all out and it all makes sense. Cause I have notes of where everything started. All right. So, um, Let's see. I have to pull up my phone, too, to get the notes. Um, It's 2187 AD, and Nenji Ogata is one of the main characters. He's um, the son of uh, the CEO of, uh, what's that company called? Jimmy. Son of a bitch. Why didn't I write (laughs) that down? (laughs) Uh, Basically. The main company that makes ovens and toasters, but also like military stuff and the Sentinels. Yeah. I'm literally going to like turn the game on. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. Yeah. Look up the name of that company. But while I talk, uh, the Got CEO, it. Kenji Ogata died, but Chihiro Morimura took his AI or took his memories and made him into an AI and uh, copied it. So she so that she could consult with it about what she was doing with the company. Yeah. Um, the AI basically convinced Chihiro to sell her nanomachine technology to the black market. Yes. 
But in turn, what ended up happening was the nanomachines went haywire and basically killed off the majority of humanity. So what happened from there was, um, hey baby, lauded member of the Cauldron of Gaming, Fabrice, has just entered the room. Hey, hey. <laughs> anyway, to combat the um, the nanomachines killing off humanity, Chihiro comes up with Project Arc, which is um, basically that survivors donate their DNA to a space station, or a space colony, I should say, where they go and search for new planets to basically terraform any hospitable planets, and they're going to terraform it to be like Earth. The way that the system works is that the DNA of the people go through um, 20 years of VR so that they can like grow up and age and become people because the the clones of them are clones. Yeah. Yeah. But before they become clones, they're trained in AI um, Mm -hmm. until they're 20 years old. Uh, There's five sectors developed because the scientists can't decide what time era they want to make. So sector one is 2089. Sector two is 2049. Sector three is 2009. Sector 4 is 1969, and Sector 5 is 1929. This, uh, the VR system that the people who donated their DNA, it was developed by Tsukasa Okino, who actually borrowed code from a video game called Dymos. <laughs> he, he sounds like the laziest developer ever because he even said like Sentinels, he was just like copying and pasting things and putting them together. And that's how he developed the VR too. And the whole system is that he took like code from a video game, which so, was. I can't help but think that uh, Onik- Oniko was uh, uh, literally was like kind of like a meme on the gaming industry in that regard. Guy, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> But basically, uh, when you learn about the Dimos game, you learn that it's kind of like a massively, it was a huge for its time because there were like millions of people in the city and they were all AI. Um, and I think that's what he copied over is that like all the people in the city were AI and they were all interacting and living their own lives. But the thing about that game was that it's a, a battle game where monsters attack the city and you fight the city or the Mm -hmm. you fight the monsters and defend the city but he didn't put that part of the code in he just like he just wanted the city part where people interacted and all that uh there were 15 survivors basically who had their dna in so it's the 13 people who you play as sukasa okino and tamal kurabe uh the 16th was supposed to be um the father of I can't remember who it was. It was, uh, was I think it, it was Niji, Natsuno. Niji, Niji Ogana, Ogata? No, it was a girl. No. It was either Natsuno, Minami, or I think it was Natsuno. Well, Natsuno's mom is actually, so uh, Natsuno's mom is actually Yuki Takiyami, Takiyama. Okay. Uh, oh, God. I wish, because my notes say here that it was Kurabe's father, which means it was Tamao's father. Okay. That, I guess that would make sense. So basically, he got infected before he could make it to the space station, and they wouldn't let him in, but um, they let his daughter in. Uh, I think it was uh, Hijiyama who went and rescued her. Do you remember that part? Oh, you look man. like you're confused. Yeah, I'm a little confused. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you're talking about it in chronological order, but you don't experience the game in chronological order, so my mind's all like fl- flipping around. You remember yeah. that part where they where he was like begging to be let in and he was in a space suit, but he was holding a little girl. I want to say, wasn't the little girl a clone though? 
No, it was one of the girls that was her DNA to be accepted. Mm. But like I said, my notes say Tamal Karabe. And you might be right about that. It might be it might have been Tamal Karabe, who the little girl you're talking about. I don't remember that being. I remember them. I remember basically Aizaki Gahara was an assassin. Yeah, we're not there yet, girl. Okay, okay. That's that's why I'm a little confused. I feel like that's where you're at right now. But okay, okay. Not yet. Okay. Uh, basically, listeners can fact check us, but I know there's a oh, girl yeah, who was let in, and she was one of the the girls accepted into the DNA program. Oh, actually, you're right. That was the next thing I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Jeez. Oh, Sekigahara was hired by Goto to cover up uh, the fact that Goto was using Chihiro Morimura's work to launder money. So Goto hired Sekigahara to assassinate uh, Chihiro Morimura. Uh, What ends up happening with the staff that was on the space station is that there's a lot of um, inter-turmoil. It ends up breaking out into like a full-on firefight where people like a gunfight uh half of the staff dies as far as the backstory goes continuing on i think we talked about this already ida is exploiting shinonome to do his work basically because he wants to revive the girl that he loves in short terms in long terms we can expand on that later but um shinonome learns of it eventually and what she ends up doing is she's she doesn't want to let this program happen anymore so she uploads the dimos code she makes it so that every 15 to 16 years the dimos attack the uh simulation so that it can't complete to the 20 years and that it has to restart and basically when it restarts that's what's called looping so that's why they haven't been able to terraform or or do their project and like start humanity on a new planet because the the simulation keeps restarting before it can complete and that's shinonome causing giant robots to attack the cities which is <laughs> what you think the game is about at the very start it's like we're just teenagers mm-hmm. fighting in robots to fight off this this uh, attack so if I recall correctly, too, um, when it, what, we, what you're talking about right there, because this is important, well, Ida asked Shinonomi to upload a code to her machine, which is, it happens to be the, D, the D code, the, D, the Dimos code. But instead of uploading it to her machine, she uploads it to A. Sakikohara's machine. No, that's something different. That's DD426. The one, the Dimos code I was talking about is when she's older and she's realized what's happened. But DD426 is what Ida convinces Shinonome to upload into Sekigahara's Sentinel, which he, he does that because he wants to start a new loop. But the problem is that what that virus does, it affects, it, it's why they can only spend two minutes inside the Sentinels because they get like crazy mental degradation and stress after two minutes that's why when she when it finally takes uh hold actually i have that in my notes here basically what happens is when when that code first takes effect chihiro morimura sees what's happening and she put she transports the sentinels through all the different timelines and the ones spreads that weren't them out to, yeah the ones that yeah. weren't infected by the code yeah yeah she tries to spread them out to kind of stop the uh, infection of what was happening Let's see. Going back, uh, I talked about the five sectors, but there's also a sector zero that's revealed where basically all the data is stored where when things loop, 
that's where all the data is stored to restore all the sectors. But you can also go there yourself to kind of convert your personality into AI and kind of be re-uploaded. There's a timeline where Juro Izumi and Chihiro Morimura are in love. Mm -hmm. And because this loop keeps happening, they think that if they, that the, basically the Daimos are being summoned by the 13 people's uh, nanomachines. Mm -hmm. So they think that killing them and then destroying the facility of the herefore unnamed company that they'll stop uh, it. Shiki, Shikishima Industries. Shikishima, thank you. Okay, yeah. so they think that if they destroy Shikishima Industries and kill all the all the people that they could stop it, but that's not what happens. It just causes another loop. Mm. Except what ends up happening too is that Chihiro Morimura and Juro Izumi end up being uploaded into Sector Zero and become information and they, they just kind of are there forever. That, that Juro Izumi ends up being known as 426, the criminal who is trying to stop this. I'm pretty sure, right? Um, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit different. Because um, as I, if I recall correctly, what happens is um, those two are, the Juro, Juro Izumi and uh, uh, Mori Mora, they're, they're, they end up like, they're in, at this point, they're in one of the, one of the futures. Um, oh, which future was it they were in? <laughs> the times they went to like the 2100s though. So they were adults and they were trying to, they were adults and they were trying to stop the, the decode and um, they end up getting, uh, getting t transported uh, to an earlier, to an earlier time as a, I think they became, didn't they become being the teenage selves again? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. So my notes say here that, after Jahiro spreads the Sentinels out to different times or sectors to stop the virus, um, Sector 1, they couldn't transport to Sector 1 because that was one of the first ones to be attacked by the Daimos, and then the government launched nu nuclear missiles to try to fight them, which failed. So that whole sector was wiped out by mm -hmm. nuclear missiles, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so Juro was um, placed in Sector 3, Actually, yeah, that's where he uh, started dating Yakushiji and then suffered brain damage. What? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah, I, I, I Jiro Mizumi kind of confuses me a little bit sometimes. It, I literally, I think it would have to take it would take me a while just to write a proper essay to tell the story of this. But basically, but, uh, the the Jiro Izumi who killed the thirteen people and um, bombed Shikishima. That's four two six, right? He becomes four two six. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but an earlier version of of Jiro uh, Izumi, I'm thinking, ends up meeting uh, Yakushiji. Yeah, that's a, like a, a a different loop. A different loop. Yeah, a different loop. So and that and that character is still no. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yes, you're right. So um, I guess I can like I I could throw this in now too. Is that Sector Zero, the one that keeps um, everybody's studying the world? Yeah. Uh, it only lasts about 5,000 years before it has to be rebuilt. But they've already been through, by the time this story happens, it's been through 300 loops. So Chihiro thinks that they can do another loop to reset the world. But basically, this is the last loop. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think she knows that. I don't think anybody really knows that. But this is the last loop. They can't, there's no other loop after this. Mm -hmm. 
which is crazy. <laughs> basically, the story, yeah, basically, the, when you're in the year 1985, that's the year, uh, which, 19, which, which sector, 1985 is sector four, isn't it? No, it's not. 1984. Sector, yeah, you're right. It's sector four. Okay. Yeah, 1985 is where everything comes to a, a comes to a, a, a point, a head point, like where uh, it's all their chips are, all their all their chips are on the table. Um, it's kind of it's why the cat that this cat. Um, I'm, I'm what is okay for us to go to back to go to Yakushiji. Well, hold on. Okay. So my notes here say too that um, basically. Chihiro had a change of heart with um, 426 uh, when he started killing everybody. Mm-hmm. So she tried to stop him and she, yeah. I think she kills him, but he yeah. had already backed up his data in uh, Sector Zero. So that's kind of why he um, is kind of an everlasting presence. Uh, I also have a note here that I didn't realize when I was playing, but uh, when that whole virus happened, the DD426, mm-hmm. that Ida was able to revive four people he revived Muri, or I'm sorry, Miura as um, uh, a little machine, also known as BJ. BJ, yeah, yeah. Uh, he revived, oh god, what's her name? Kurabe, Tamal Kurabe. He revived her as a Sentinel AI. He revived Hijiyama as an as a Sentinel AI, and he also revived Kisaragi. Okay. But yeah, now we can go back to. Okay. <laughs> so since all the chips are on, since 1985 is where everything comes to a, comes to a head. Uh, there's a, 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 a Yakushiji meets a cat. The cat starts talking to her. She's the only person who can see this cat, and uh, the cat uh, eventually, you know, convinces her that I can help you uh, get the get the memories back for uh, Jiro Kurabe. Make you give him give him back the memories for Jiro Izumi but you have to do something for me. You have to go and kill these witches with this seal gun. Them. Huh? Seal them. That's right. Seal, seal them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seal these witches with, uh, with, with this, uh, with this gun, the special gun, the nano machine gun, which, uh, I want to tell, I want to tell, tell you about, which I thought was, I thought was funny. It's great. A great, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, um, that they're paying homage to an anime or not, but there's an anime called, um, Magica Madoka. It's about these girls that can who make a deal with this cat to get mat pe- powers as a magical girl, but they have to fight these witches. And uh, I, I'm not going to go too much too deep into it, but I thought it was funny because basically what this cat is having her do is almost the same thing as 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 this as this anime called Magical Girls, <laughs> or magic a magical Madoka. <laughs> I just thought it was great. Anyway. So uh, she ends up, you'll have to help me with this, but she ends up doing just that, struggling while she's doing that, but the cat's super important. It's also worth mentioning that uh, she was told not to interact with Jiro Karabe, but she does it all the time. Yeah. She talks to him like he is Jiro Izumi. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that kind of, kind of helps Karabe start to realize that, that his, his the memories he has aren't the right memories. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a spoiler if I say uh, say who Cuta uh, and the cat are? They're four two six. They're four two six. Yeah, yeah. So, so the reason that Jiro Karabe sees four two six working backwards 
is that there's a Tamal Karabe in uh, an android body that 426 is able to infect who he ends up using Takamiya to get information out of. He disguises himself as Erika Aiba, who yes. mm-hmm. I think Nenji Ogata comes out and says like, hey, Erika Aiba hasn't been around for a while. That's not Erika Aiba. Mm-hmm. And then Takamiya's like, uh, what's your deal? And then they all confront her, and it turns out, yeah, they find out that that's 426. She jumps into a river to escape, or I said I should say he, and then <laughs> Juro Karabe finds him in a dumpster, and she transfers he transfers his 426 data into Juro Karabe's nanomachines, yeah, and then disguises himself as uh Kyuta Shiba, Shiba, yeah, and then tries to put his memories into Juro Karabe using the videotapes. Videos. Yep. yep, I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was great. I was like, "That's that's amazing." When that happened, you know, find this out. That wasn't too later. complicated. Like, <laughs> that's just like one part of the story, and I didn't even tell all of it. Like, <laughs> right, right. Because uh, all this, because and what ends up happening is when uh, when we jump back a little bit in the part where you find out that um, Tamau is the robot, or rather, is yeah, Tamau is the ro- the Tamau. Is the robot an AI? An AI, yes, right. Fights has to fight. Yeah, is fighting four two six. It's actually the reason why they're fighting in the bathroom is because of Minami. Uh, so four two six is trying to get to Minami, who has BJ. Right. Up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he. Oh my God. So even going further back, uh, <laughs> the reason that four two six looks like Tomi Kisaragi at that time is because. Um, Ida had made an android of uh, Kisaragi who he was going to transfer into the human Kisaragi, but she didn't want to do that because she wanted the human Kisaragi to live her life. Ida's in love with Kisaragi and the Kisaragi he's in love with is the one he has the android of. And uh, he, he has a 426 trapped in like a, a defunct android but he leaves it alone and he leaves Kisaragi to do some work on it. And foolishly he did that because then 426 mm. transferred into Kisaragi who That's then right. goes and hunts uh, mm-hmm. Minami. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> See, like there's so much. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> this much. game has the, the Guinness world record of twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Like even the names, like it's so hard for me to keep track of the names, but that's why I have, this chart of their pictures pulled up because that's the only way I would know how to talk mm-hmm. about this. It's like you literally had to like make like a, a PowerPoint in conjunction with a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to, I did want to bring this up just like as a side note, but that um, there's basically, I said there was like uh, 15 people born, the clones who are put through the simulation. So the clones are three clones are born in each sector 24 days apart each. So Goto, Shinanome, and Hijiyama are born first. So that's why they're in a higher grade. But the clones put in sector one are Juro, Okino, Tsukasa. Okay. Juro Izumi, Tsukasa Okino, and Iori Morimura slash, or I mean, Iori. Chihiro Morimura. Chihiro Morimura is who I meant. Yeah. (laughs) In uh, Sector 2, it's uh, Renya Goto, 
uh, Ryoko Shinonome and A. Sekigahara. Mm-hmm. In sector three, you have Megumi Yakashiji, God damn it, Tomi Kisaragi, and um, Shu Amiguchi slash Ida. Mm-hmm. Uh, in sector four, there were, sorry, I have to look at their names, um, Natsuno Minami, uh, sorry, Yuki Takamiya and uh, Neji Ogata. And then in Sector 5, it was uh, Takatoshi Hijimiya, Hijiyama, uh, Keitaro Miura, and Tamao Kurabe. Okay. They were in Sector 5, huh? Yeah, that was the one that... Yeah, it's like 1929 to 1949. That's right. Me. Yeah, okay. Because in that time, uh, Miura had Chihiro as his little sister and then Tamao Kurabe as like their friend, I guess? Tama- uh, was it... Uh, Tamao, yeah, I think you're right. Tamao Karabe was her friend. Yeah, you're right. Tamao, yeah, they were. The Karabes were their friends. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know actually, we're skipping. We are. And that's actually important, too, because uh, Okino actually ends up time traveling to that sector. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to talk about Sector 5 because... Oh, okay, if we could talk about Sector 5 for a second, what ends up happening is that they're like in this ancient time. Let's see. It well, it's, during been, 19, uh, it's during World War It's during World War II. So it was like about 1945. And uh, Miura and um, Tamal Karabe and um, Chihiro are basically trying to outrun this attack that's happening, but they, they see it's uh, Daimos attacking them. They think it's the Americans attacking them with new they technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ends up happening, if you skip through the story, um, Miura ends up fighting in a Sentinel, but then he, quote unquote, time travels to 1985 in the Sentinel. Yep. When he gets to travel back in time, um, Tamao basically tells him that Jahiro was kidnapped. And then in... In another story segment, you could see that Chihiro was actually kidnapped by Renya Goto, mm-hmm. who uh, kidnapped her to implement Chihiro Morimura's memories back into her, mm-hmm. uh, the original Chihiro Morimura. Yeah. So then we have this like weird child who is villainous and like doing all these fucked up things. Mm-hmm. Eventually, when uh, uh, Kitaro Mira reunites with her, She's like, yeah, I remember you were my big brother, but like that was back then. I'm a different person now. I have like all these memories, so I don't really care about you. And like Mira is just heartbroken and just like constantly chasing her like a little puppy, but mm-hmm. it's, nothing ever comes from that. Yeah, and actually, it's actually kind of a key point though, still, because the fact that she has the 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 more the Chihiro Morimura of nineteen forty and nineteen what was it nineteen forty nine. Uh, you know, she even though she has the original Chihiro Morimura's memories, she still sees uh, what's his name Miura as a brother. Yeah, no. She she like she kind of has like a little bit of sentimentalism towards him, but like mm-hmm. she's not the same little girl. And I think it's what what else is worth noting from Sector Five is that's when Hijiyama meets Sukasa Okino. But he meets her as <laughs> he meets him when she's in drag as yes. um, the professor's daughter, who yes. he kind of like has a little crush on, and he follows her. Mm-hmm. But because he follows her, he ends up like time traveling to 1985, also where everybody seems to go. I think mm-hmm. uh, he loves yakisoba. I want to try yakisoba so. <laughs> I know I'm so obsessed with. I want to try it too. 
Sector Four is where like everybody seems to go because that's where the that's where the last Dimos attack happens, right? Yeah, because mm. I think all is the, the last is the last sector is the last sector that's still thriving. Yeah. So, so uh, since this is a spoiler cast, it's safe to say that they're not time traveling. They're actually just zapping between the sectors. Yes. Yeah. Everything's happening in real time. That's why when they go to different sectors, it's destroyed. Mm. And, and that's why people, there's certain people who get to see like what what appears to be the future in this this uh, colony satellite ship thing. And you like one of the first times I can't remember who who sees the memory, but yeah. One of the first things you get to experience as a player is you see Mori Mora, not Mori Mora, uh, Mira talking to Natsuno, and they're as they're they're older though, they're like adults. Yeah, and you find out that they're like a couple. They're a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's what's important is that whenever you see that the stuff in like in the sat in space and the satellites and that in the satellite ship, this colony ship, that's actually the that's the past. <laughs> So everything's yeah, happening. it's before everything happened, yeah. and that's where you find out where Takamiya, I think, yeah, right, Takamiya. That's where you find out Takamiya is actually um, Natsuno Minami's mom. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> what? That's why. That's why when when you actually play as Yuki Takamiya, she's trying to find out where the hell Natsuno Minami is. Mm-hmm. That, that's her connection, even though they don't know that they're that that you know they're actually related. But that's the drive that she has. Try to find her. Try to find not because Minami. in this time, uh, Yuki Takamiya's storyline is that her dad is in jail for like doing gang related activities or whatever. So she's like a delinquent and she's like fucking beating people up. But like her her memories she's, from that she's from a badass. <laughs> she's fucking great. I love her. Yeah, she mm-hmm. beats up all those guys and they they keep coming for her and she's like fuck off. But like. <laughs> She remembers Natsuno Minami because in this timeline they were childhood friends and yes. she just like cares for her so much. Mm-hmm. And it like it really comes off as like a maternal instinct. Mm-hmm. But she she has that to other characters. Do you remember when you beat one of the battles that like um Takamiya was uh caring for Iuri Fuyusaka? Because like after the battle ended, she like tripped and scraped her knee. Mm-hmm. And Takamiya, she just has, like, she has she has uh, maternal. She has, has maternal instincts, paternal and maternal instincts. But then, like yeah. Takamiya, like put a bandaid. She's like, "Hey, be careful, okay." And then, like Iori was like, kind of having uh, lesbianic feelings. For her. <laughs> <laughs> well, hell, actually, well, here, something you know when before the one of the first times you actually the, the first time you meet uh, Yuki Takamiya, she gets into a fight with a, a rival gang from a different school, and it's actually when and Shu Amaguchi tries to defend her. <laughs> he goes mm-hmm. up and and that's when he and then he that's when he sees Yuki go kick some ass. That's when uh, Shu Yamaguchi he falls in love with her at that point. Yeah, it's it, that's worth bringing up. Shu Yamaguchi is in love with uh, Yuki Takamiya, mm-hmm. but he is Ida, like his his uh, other his self. Future self is Ida. Yeah, yeah, his other self is in love with uh, Kisaragi, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, the current Kisaragi and Nenji Ogata are actually kind of looking up too. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's so complicated because there's like two of every character and they're all in love with different people. <laughs> it's like different, uh, different, different loops, different characters were in love with each other at different time. And then literally time, like we got the past and then you have the current stuff that's going in sectors where different people were in love, even though Natsuno and uh, Miura still are still like the original couple throughout the whole time. Like throughout all oh, the right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, real quick, we're going to do a side topic. Who did you have the biggest crush on? Me. Oh, that's easy. Uh, Yuki Takamiya. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, similar in fashion, the male version of her is who I had the biggest crush on. I thought Nenji Ogata, Nenji Ogata. was so great. I... He is awesome. I feel like he, like, you, <laughs> see, you can tell he tries so hard to be badass, but you can tell he has a soft heart. He, yeah, he's like a bad boy with like the yeah. softest heart. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly the the same as Yuki Takamiya, basically. Yeah, yeah, she's hard. <laughs> she's a hard ass, but if you can get, but it's a little bit more. You have to like try really freaking hard to get to her heart, though, because she puts up such a front when when it was with Amaguchi trying to get like go on. Like just every time he tries to ask her out on a date, she always turns him down. Well, wouldn't you say the name the same about Nenji Ogata? Because when he's talking to Tomi Kisaragi, she's like trying to. You know, talk with him and be friends, and he's always like, "Shut up, stupid!" Or like, <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. like change your just, life, you dumbass? Just, yeah, he just couldn't like <laughs> he just couldn't like admit his feelings towards her. He was struggling with that the entire time until what was it like during like the last battles? He finally opens up to her or something. Or his the last story l- is basically him repeating a loop, which yes. is interesting to say about his story. It's just like a Groundhog's Day, pretty much. Every time you do a story, it's like the mm-hmm. same thing happening, but you just do different things and you see different things. Well, cause he, he, cause you find out as a kid, he actually has the, he has the decode. Yeah. Cause Chihiro fucking attacked this child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point the decode gets transferred to Natsuno Minami. Yeah. And that's why four, two, six is going after Natsuno Minami. Why BJ, the robot shows up to help Natsuno Minami. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, going back to, um, I wanted to flash back back to this because I know we talked about it on the podcast, at least. We were talking about um, the relationship between Takatoshi Hijiyama and Tsukasa Okino. And we we were talking about that before I interrupted and like we went on this whole side tangent. But like, (sighs) that's when uh, uh, Okino and Hijiyama met was because... Hijiyama thought that was a woman, but then like he found out it was a man and uh, still kept following him. (laughs) Still had feelings. And then, oh my God, that was like a a spoiler cast or whatever. So like (laughs) one of the most gratifying moments is when you see in the past, like what happened before all this is that um, Tsukasa Okino and Hijiyama were actually a couple. They were partners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they were both men. Like they, Mm They were like a gay couple, mm-hmm. and Hijiyama was like fucking destroyed because Okino died violently. It was interesting to see that like they were just like an, an openly gay couple. That was yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly it was like I thought that was like a, probably one of the best one. Of, I mean, uh, it's like the only couple that uh, where this game or the only couple in the game that shows representation. However, it's still I think it, the way they tell it, it's. Like not, it's not too much and it's not too little. It's like just the right amount. It's also worth noting that the the reason that Tsukasa Okino is so mysterious and like um, able to know more than all the rest of the characters, even though he's one of them, kind of, is because he his memory doesn't get reset because he implemented his memory into his nano machines. Mm-hmm. So like his memory isn't fully there, but it's mostly there. Because mm-hmm. it's just part of his body. We may have already mentioned this, but uh, Okino is actually the son of uh, Shahori Muramura. What? I think. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think I caught that, but I didn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. That's why he was able. That's why he was able to. He knew. He knew so much about the decode and about and knew so much about the. Oh, Sentinels. you're right. Chihiro Morimura back then was like really old. Yeah, she was really. Yeah, she was an old lady. An old lady. And by the way, if we haven't said this already, you find out that Iori, Iori Fuyusaka is Chihori Morimura. <laughs> She's like this 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 uh, this 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 girl who's always falling asleep. <laughs> she's she's a clone, and Chihiro yeah, Morimura is trying to implement herself into her. But I think she kind of gives up. They uh, either gives up or doesn't work. Just, she says it, it, I, she gets hurt, or her plans get foiled, or something. I think I want to say uh, what is his name? Renya Goda has something to do with that. I think we've talked about most of what my notes have, okay. except for the end game. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to say about the characters that? Um, well, I can say this, y'all. Like people listening to us, like what, for sure, we're not doing this game justice. Play this game. <laughs> yeah, we're just like jumping around and talking mm-hmm. about the most random things, and it's probably confusing to anybody mm-hmm. but who has played the game. And I can say but, this too from uh, learning from uh, you know this is a learning process for like all of us in on this podcast. We just started doing this, so I, I didn't take notes while playing this game, whereas Frankie did take notes. And the next no, I didn't take notes. Oh, you didn't take I, notes. Oh, okay. No, what I did was like I I watched a, a summary of the story and took notes on that, just okay. like of what I remembered. And then I okay. didn't I didn't take notes on. So going forward, I am so taking notes on all the games that I'm playing for our spoiler cast because I want to make sure we just do or do every game proper justice enough to make y'all who are listening to want to play these games, and hopefully we've done enough justice for you to listen to this to play this game because. It's a convoluted story that, hell, even we're not doing it justice, but I would say, yes, let's jump to the end story. Let's jump to the end game, the end story. Uh, not, we, we didn't talk about Shu Amaguchi enough, but I think let's, let's let the let people who decide to play this game, you get to learn about how important Shu Amaguchi is. Uh, before you go on, um, mm-hmm. actually, what you said, no, no one void. We're just going to say what we want to say. We're just having a conversation. It hell doesn't yeah. have to be accurate. It doesn't have to be it's not, what yeah. it is. If you guys want to give us feedback, we actually did set up a Twitter account thanks to Fabrice. Um, if you want to fact check us or say anything, at Cauldron Gaming on Twitter. Cool. Isn't that right? Okay. Yeah. I have a confirmation that at Cauldron Gaming is correct. So tweet us there. Uh, let us know what we got wrong or uh, your theories uh, because the story is not clear cut. Uh, and that's where we're going to go into just like guesses on the guess or guesses on the ending because um the recap i did they haven't uploaded far enough to get to the ending and okay. i the ending was the most confusing thing to me so i want to talk to you about that right. uh my first notes about that would be starting with shu amiguchi mm-hmm. because um he's the one that starts seeing inaba on mm-hmm. his tv talking to him that's right uh, vaguely, but then you eventually find out that Inaba is she's the AI for the cloning program, I believe. She's also Tomi Kisaragi. That's correct. You find out that Tomi Kisaragi actually grew up to become a pop star, like she always wanted, mm. and uh, Inaba is her, even though they look nothing alike. That was so crazy. That was a big mind fuck for me. It was like, oh my god, that's Kisaragi! Uh, but I loved it because she was so pretty, and I loved Kisaragi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what was her deal? <laughs> she's in a satellite that's rotating around. She's the a satellite. Yeah, she's the she's a satellite's AI, if I recall correctly, basically. And um, so the, in the final battle that you have that you have going on, 
Um, you're right. Earlier we were talking the ep- in the episode, we were talking about how she was singing a song to help delay the Daimos, the Kaiju. She wasn't, no, she was singing nope. that song because she was going out of orbit and she wouldn't be able to be in contact with them for like 13 hours. Yeah. So they asked her to sing that song to motivate them, but also that's to right. know when she got out of contact with them. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, the final battle, she ends up coming, she gets back, she comes back that 13, that 13 hour rotation, she's back. Mm-hmm. The, the satellite's back. And that's what prompts them to having to hold out for like five minutes or something like that. I think it's like five minutes you have to hold out for. Uh, oh yeah. I forgot that the last battle was like so crazy. <laughs> yeah, super crazy. That's why if you want a strategy run uh, two, uh, two <laughs> how many sentinels can you have in a party? I can't remember exactly. Six. Six. Okay. So this is my party for that final battle. Uh, two gen ones. Uh, one, I believe it was one gen two. Yeah, one gen two, one gen four, two gen. Uh, oh, wait, no, one gen. Okay, okay, yeah, two gen ones, one gen two, uh, one gen three, two gen fours. I can't say that I remember what I had, but I bet you I had two gen twos at the very least. Okay. That's what I always had for the toughest battles. Mm-hmm. That battle was so fucking hard. It almost felt like it was probably the hardest battle in the game, and it almost felt like it was impossible but i got through it <laughs> yeah yeah it was actually the only of one of the only um actually yeah, i think it was the one of the only missions that i wasn't able to get the gold the gold the gold star or whatever it was on it i think it was one of the only battles too where the game slowed down for me it's like how are you slowing down oh because the yeah the frame rates because <laughs> there's so many things on it's the screen because there were so many enemies on the screen yeah. <laughs> anyway but yeah you eventually you have to hold you have to defend like one of the last data points one of the last nexus points yeah, so uh, tell me your theory on that, like, because I didn't understand what her plan was. I understood that, like, they were defending the the points so that the Dimos wouldn't take them over. Would it, yeah. Was it because, like, if a Dimos took over the one of those points, that the whole colony would have been taken over? Yeah, basically, this call the version of the colony that you were in would have been destroyed, and that would, and basically, it wouldn't they 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 have no hopes they have no hopes of starting another colony again. But then it turns out that, like, every time you close it, that um, it could never be opened again, and that the sector, the sector that you want to do that in the end. No, what they were trying to do was, I think, if I recall correctly, they were just they were trying to stop the demos code, the demos, the demos code, uh, from basically. Well, I think they had to. Ha- didn't they have to cause another loop? Essentially, God damn, we don't even know what the end of the but story. But see, is the thing be. about this was that there there wasn't going to be another loop. This was the right. last loop. Oh, whoops! I'm like, so my PS5 it, it was some. Controller. I think it was something that like they were gonna, um, they were gonna close off all the sectors and then just like have all those sectors deleted, and then all be transferred to sector zero, but then it would only be those thirteen people left, and everybody else would be cut off. I'm running down all the events, going to like the very last events real quick to make sure we know like what the hell is going on with like why why they were trying to stop the demos. You're right because they couldn't. Yeah, because Inaba, right. her plan like really confused me, and I wasn't sure what we were doing, but I knew it was like dire consequences. Yeah, let's see here. Because like I think that all those AI, all the the whole program would be like cut off or something like that. But yeah, but like the whole, like the whole restarting humanity would have. I think based the whole restarting humanity would have completely failed, and it would have just been the terraforming machines that would keep doing their thing, going to different planets, terraforming the planet, and moving on to the next planet, to the next planet, to the next planet. Uh, Project Ark is what the the planet that it was called. The program. Yeah, that was Shihiro Morimura's uh, yeah. plan with the sectors. 
Yeah, with an unlikely guess, like uh, a log from Chiramori Mora into Malkarabe in 2188, with the unlikely success of Project Art, humanity will have a chance to pick up the thread of history. Uh, okay, all right, oh, yeah, okay. Wow. Last hope. Should we have done our research? <laughs> Probably. I almost want to say, okay, so we're in a point where uh, pretend we might have to cut this part out, my friend. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll take note. Yeah, it's like we might have to, it's possible that we might have to revisit this game or revisit our notes to have proper notes, but because we don't even know, like I'm trying to find like why, what, what, why, what was so important. So I'm trying to read. Why don't we end the recording here and then we'll get okay. back to it tomorrow. Okay. We'll both have known what Inaba's plan was. That's all we need to do is just end this podcast. Okay. What Inaba was doing. And then okay. I could actually like it, load up the game. And if it was Inaba, it's what I'm wondering. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to find out is just why, why was it, why was it so important? Cause Inaba. Yeah, Cause I, I was hoping to relay off of you because like, like I said, yeah. the, the, the story recap I saw was like six parts long. I watched all okay. six parts, but it stops. And they, it, the last part they released was like a week ago. So they haven't released the last part which is about Minaba or Inaba's plan, which is the part of the game that confused me the most because I wasn't sure what her plan was. <laughs> yeah, I know we're going to end it here, but I'm going to read one of the things. Is that there's, wait, let's see here. Breaking Limits, last, the last piece. Jeez, uh, I fight for myself without victory, the real world, defend my life. Okay, yeah, I just got to find out where, like, I gotta, yeah, I got to find out what the whole, why, why is it that they need to defend the last sector point? Right. Yeah. Okay. All these events. There's so many events. God damn, dude. <laughs> there's over, over, uh, how many events there are? There's over 315 events in the game. Yeah, I, I, I have the save data. I could watch events. Uh, <laughs> I just have to re-download the game, I guess, but. <laughs> okay. to talk about the ending of 13 sentinels um we just ran in case it wasn't clear not 13 sentinels um the revenge of the sith whoa that's a star wars (laughs) 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 that actually might be a good i might actually be a good star wars movie actually (laughs) okay better than the um actual revenge of the sin sith right yeah you were, um, we were about to bounce ideas about what the ending meant, and you started saying something. So go ahead and uh, continue a thought. Yeah. So if I can recall correctly, uh, basically the reason why it was so important that they stopped the Dimos from getting to all of the different nexuses, all the relays, and they got to the final one, had to defend it, was because 
yeah, you're right. The whole loop, the whole the whole thing, to, to, the whole loop thing that they were doing, the resets they were doing, they were on the last reset, so it couldn't happen again. I think what the problem was is that if the the decode had gotten into the system, it would have stopped the whole program that they had going on with with the 13, 13 candidates inside their. Well, you find out they're in life pods. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, let me turn my game <laughs> down real quick. Um, so yeah, the they, they they thought that they were in the cockpits the whole time, but they're actually in their life pods. Yeah. So I think that what was going to happen is if if they had failed and they had not successfully stopped the Dimos, it would have it would have basically canceled the whole project, the whole mm-hmm. recess, the whole. I think that's what the that's what the problem was. So so like through these three hundred loops, they've been constantly mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. fighting off this whole project being defunct and shut down. Mm-hmm. 300 times though <laughs> that's yeah. thousands of years possibly even more uh, i think what was it uh, was it uh here i could i could do the math let's let's pull up my calculator if perfect. we do uh 300 times 16 it's 4800 years okay and they did say that uh, what was it i thought they said well who was it uh chihiro uh morimura did say that they were the closest uh, closest planet was like what was it well, 12 light years away or something like yeah. that yeah which i don't know how that would actually equate to but the planet they went to was like 1200 light years away from earth something something like that yeah okay so maybe it was 12 okay 1.2 they said years. like traveling yeah. to it uh was countless years it, the, mm-hmm. i remember they they said something like it was possibly thousands maybe millions of years mm-hmm they said it was like uncountable how many years it took to travel just to that planet. Personally, I want to assume it took millions of years for them to get there. Which is so fucking crazy. Like if, mm-hmm. if I want to give my thoughts about that, it's just that uh, she not basically like that's nuts. Yeah. Humanity was wiped out in millions of years, thousands or millions of years have passed and they're, reviving humanity on a very distant planet mm-hmm. with 12 people 12 13 15 15 yeah 15 people yeah. that's that's fucking nuts like if there's an alien race around in the the planets that they're at i guess like you you would say like 12 light years away mm-hmm. that's nuts there's this suddenly there's this like new species of alien which are humans and they're developing there mm-hmm. yeah essentially here's something crazy here's a here's a weird theory that i kind of have is that even though they said that more than likely or they said that the human race is probably extinct on earth why yes. i bet they're i bet they're not i bet that some of them may have actually survived because humans are extremely even i mean granted we've never been in a position where the mankind has you know had a planet that was completely completely ruined we actually don't know until it happens we won't know what actually is going to happen but doesn't a uh, video play where Chihiro Morimura says, if you're watching this, the project has succeeded, mm-hmm. and that means that humanity is extinct? That's what she said. But remember, humans are really good at assuming things, assuming that certain things are absolutes, and that's not all necessarily. And we just, I mean, humans just don't, honestly, we don't, even though we can pretend this is a pretend world, obviously, because it is, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So let's 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 start from the beginning of the ending. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
what what it starts out with is um the I'm I'm really still not sure if I understand what Inami was doing, but I think she was trying to make sure that universal control was closed out because from what I understand is that universal control is basically taking uh, anomalies and bugs and things that aren't supposed to happen and just like isolates them. And if the loop starts again, that's universal control is basically what restarts it. And because this is the last loop, um, there's not going to be anything to restart. They're, they can't do anything else. So I think Inami's trying to get you to close all of the nexus points so that universal control is no longer a thing and that um, mm. the actual humans left will actually awaken because they, they've never been awakened. They're, they're, they've basically been in their pods developing and being put th- through these uh, VR sessions. The problem is that Sheena Nome what she did makes it so that the the VR session never completes because of the daimos, the kaiju. Uh, I think that was right. So I think what Inami was doing was just trying to like close it all off so that they could basically wake up and live in reality, which they never realized that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? So, me possibly because I part of me was I think that. Universal control is actually what they're trying to do is stop stop the decode from getting to getting to universal control, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, universal control. I don't think it was actually ever sh- like completely shut down because uh, they were t- the the thirteen people were told that uh, well Karabe, Tamal Karabe, the past one from the from when they were still normal humans, they're traveling in the the mothership to the destination. She said that they that the uh, AI, all the people other than the, other than the fifteen people, everybody else in the sessions were AIs, but those AIs weren't removed. They weren't destroyed. They were still they were still intact intact by universal control. Yeah. So basically, what she says is that universal control closing it off basically means that everybody that they knew, everybody they knew in the the VR sessions is like they were AI that was set up. So like. Um, Miwako, Miwaka. I think, was specific, specifically an important character to um, mm-hmm. Tomi He's- Kisaragi and Natsuko. Oh, God. Why didn't I have that picture? Uh, Iori Fu- Fuyusaka. <laughs> Iori Fuyusaka. Um, and here we go. Give her a second. Natsunomi Nami. Yes. Yeah. And Renny Gota, because she, she has a... Because uh, Miwako has a... Uh, like a hard ass crush on him on Renia Gota. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so my notes basically say that what Inaba did was um, close off universal control. And then I remember seeing everything go to black and they're like, what the fuck? Why can't we get out of our pods? Like, mm-hmm. why can't we get out of the Sentinels? And she's like, Hey, that's when she reveals. And I think we talked about that earlier is that they're not actually in Sentinels. They're just in their pods and they just kind of awaken when they're in the Sentinels, um, basically they're now awakened. Uh, they're they're awakened into reality, and they're they they're told that they're on a different planet now. That's already been terraformed. Um, she also tells them that they their development took a long, long time, and that it's finally complete, so that they can be released. A they're also really twenty. They have, they have they that they they're also all twenty years old as well so actually this is what i really like about the ending is that Mm. 
five years pass and somehow Ida and um, Inaba, Inaba, was that her name? They're able to restore universal control so that they can Mm -hmm. go visit the VR session again. Mm -hmm. But when they're in that VR session, um, they reveal that they've been able to set up two colonies um, that they've developed technology and that they could actually start uh, cultivating the personalities that were in the session into actual human beings Mm -hmm. and like start to develop animals and uh, flora also. Flora and fauna. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're they're visiting for the first time the world they lived in after five years and just like kind of, you know, just having a, a homecoming, a reunion. Um, I really liked when uh, Kisaragi and Fuyusaka reunited with uh, Miwaka? Miwako? I think it was Miwako. Miwaka. I mean, is it Miwaka or Miwako? Either way, it's, it's uh, I can't, I, I, I want to avoid trying to say what I describe, how I describe her because she's a, uh, Never mind. <laughs> she's a little chunk chunk, but she's really she's cute. She's a cute. She's a cutie. <laughs> the thing is, her voice is kind of annoying, but she is an oh. character. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember, I remember. Um, we didn't talk about it, but there's that part where they're in sector two or three, and they they try to zap into another sector, but Miwako didn't come with them, and she that's when they were being, yeah, yeah, they were being chased by androids and when that happened i was like oh my god she got torn to shreds and murdered <laughs> that version of her probably did <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was like oh my god that's so horrible because she was so innocent like yeah. she was just boy crazy and food crazy and that's mm-hmm. fine like she was mm-hmm. just a little cutie <laughs> yeah i remember first seeing her and i was like i like her she's pretty chill i wonder if i wonder if she'd be a person i'd probably be friends with in real life yeah, probably I, I think i would be friends with her <laughs> yeah. i like her yeah Cause she's she always like knows where the most delicious food is. Like they always mm-hmm. ate these delicious like strawberry crepes, and they had these hot dogs that like had like little vegetables and like hot mm-hmm. sauce and mustard. And I was like, that looks and, really. You know, I, I I'd be friends with Kisaragi, but I think her and I relationship would be really interesting because we would always be like dissing each other and just giving each other a really hard time. Oh, let's <laughs> let's side top right now. Let's do a side top. Okay. Who do you think you'd be best friends with in this cast? Um. Probably, I'm looking at the cast right now. Probably Hijiyama. Okay. Yeah, probably Hijiyama. I think I'd be best friends with him. Maybe, it, I mean, yeah. But but this is based on their situation and me being an AI. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I, I think that really how it would go is that because he's so naive about the, about the time he's in, sector he's in, I'd be one of those people that would notice him and then try to help him understand the situation. Or I at least help that. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I tend to like gravitate more towards people who are damaged and that those are the kind of people that I make friends with just because they're easier to talk to. Like Yakushiji. So <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was about to say, no, not Yakushiji. Yakushiji. Ugh, no. No. I actually <laughs> did not. Like if we're giving the real tea and we're dropping the tea into the, the cup, I did not like Yakushiji. And actually, I was kind of disappointed that Juro ended up with her in the end. Okay. Uh, but my friends would actually be Nenji Ogata and Yuki Takamiya. They're tough. They're gangsters. They're, they have a problem with authority. Um, I, I probably would have been friends with them, to mm-hmm. be honest. <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense. My, I'd probably pine for uh, Takamiya. <laughs> Possibly Miura also. 
in the same way that you would have been friends with Hijiyama, like Miura's kind of, he would be confused also, mm-hmm. but he, I think I'd be attracted to him because he's so handsome and I mm-hmm. want to help him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think but, my best friend would probably be Nenji Ogata. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Eh, cool thing is too, man, if we were both AIs in this world, you and I'd probably still be friends too. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd be revived in the second earth. Second Earth, yeah, like with like two five moons, or with two moons, and I also had a planet too. You could see a planet off in the distance. It was great. World. It. Yeah. So but getting back to the actual story. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what ends up happening during the ending credits is that the five years have passed, and they get to revisit their simulation because they're getting ready to transmit these people into real human bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, Go to the McCloney bats. Yeah. The 15 people have already been living there for five years, so they're still talking about what's been happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I have notes here is that Kisaragi and Ogata have five fucking kids. <laughs> they probably got. They, they probably just like humped like rabbits, man. <laughs> I was like, wait, who's Kis? Okay, it's Tomi and Ninji Ogata. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. he was <laughs> one of my favorite things about their interaction. He was like, whoa. This is what you used to look like? You were so flat. I'm so uh, lucky you filled out. And she's like, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Don't forget that I remember you called me dog phase. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he liked her so much. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really cute. I actually liked all the pairings that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have that A and Fuyusaka uh, ended up getting together, which mm-hmm. I like that too, which... At first, I didn't because Fuyusaka just bumped into him. She's like, "Oh my god, what a hot guy!" And then she you, you, want, you wonder how often that might actually happen in real life, my friend. <laughs> okay, I guess he seemed to like not really care about her, but she was like so pining for him. He's like, "Okay, well, tag along." Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm happy they ended up together. A mm-hmm. Sekigahara is actually really hot too. <laughs> uh, I agree with Fuyusaka. She has good taste. She made, uh, he was a cool guy. He made yeah. She made a good choice. Juro and Yakushiji are together now. Mm-hmm. Um, he which, was damaged goods. <laughs> if I want to talk about that, like I, that part of the plot didn't really vibe with me because like okay. it was out of nowhere. He was like, I remember now that I love you. Even though the whole plot, he was like really creeped out by her and didn't want to be around her. Mm-hmm. It was either he was creeped out by her because she was like so obsessed with him or that he had that dream where he killed her and didn't want to be around her. It wasn't clear to me what he was feeling about her the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. But I mean, I did watch that flashback and uh, of, of when he like finally said that he knew that he was Jiro Izumi and that he loved him because of the feelings that he had were the same feelings that he had for her. So his feelings for her were true. It is kind of weird, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. I wish I almost kind of wish that like uh, Facile was here. He might be able to let us know about some psychological, uh, you know, uh, psychological, <laughs> you know, who knows, uh, condition that could cause something like that. But yeah, I remember though because four two six the Jiro the Jiro Izumi was inside of his nano machines. It allowed him to mem- remember a lot more memories of being Jiro Izumi. 
Well, so, I was going to say, I don't think that Fasil listens to our podcast. I don't think no, he, I know he does, does he, either. Yeah, because you you're editing them and I do listen to them again because I'm always looking for things like, okay, what can we do differently? How can we make this better? How, how are we communicating with each other? Is there tension? I, I'm looking at that type of stuff when I'm listening to our episodes. What I'm doing, what I'm so self-deprecating like uh, for is that when I edit this, I say um or uh so many times and i'm trying really hard this time not i stutter to. i stutter <laughs> that's fine i when i listen to your audio i'm like that's fine and you say um or uh plenty of times like probably just as much as me but for some reason when you do it it doesn't bug me when i do it i'm like i have to edit this out so like i'm constantly like hide it highlighting the little ums and just mm-hmm. taking them out Oh, seriously? Oh, Oh, what if you were to try to do that to me? Would it make me sound really broken? (laughs) You actually say it less than me because uh, there's literally a part where I said, like, uh, basically, it was like, um, well, I think, um, uh, um, well, this, um, and it was like four ums in a row, and I was just so (laughs) mad. I'm, I'm really working on that consciously. Listeners out there, I'm trying so hard not to say, um, it's just a little filler word that I have. And I, I just have to train myself. We're new. We're new to this. We're not trained mm-hmm. actors or trained hosts or anything. We're just, uh, see, there it was. We're just uh-huh. doing, and <laughs> we're I just have, doing our thing. I have experience with public speaking. I've done like five different public speaking events. And I used to be really, really good at public speaking, not saying um, ahs, different things that would cause just, basically, it would make it sound like I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I got really good at not doing that, but it was because I made like outlines and I followed my outlines. I memorized my outline during the, for the public, for my public speaking event. Girl, let me show you how many notes I have. I've been following an outline. This, this, (laughs) and this. Full fucking pages. Okay. okay. I follow an outline and I still say that fucking word that pisses me off when I no, it's, when I yeah. edit these. <laughs> well, also you got to think about maybe like the like when you have an outline, almost like you have a script, you might rehearse it more often, you know, over and over and over again, to the point that it might eliminate your ooms and your ahs. It's uh, it's it has a lot to do with preparation. That's my, that's that's my experience when it comes to public speaking. Yeah, I'm anyway, <laughs> very bad at public speaking. So oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So but, uh, I think uh, <laughs> going back to Thirteen Sentinels, yeah. we were talking about a Fuyusaka, a and Fuyusaka are together now. Mm-hmm. Kushiji are also. So we were talking about how that was weird that, that like Jiro was like, "Oh, yes, I do. I do love you, Yakushiji." <laughs> yeah. There's um, a note here that said, uh, did Ida and Inami restore universal control? But I think that after... I think that, yeah, yeah, they, they did. did. Yeah. Um, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Natsuno and Miura are apparently together. Uh, they're getting they, married, actually. Yeah, they're they getting were, married. Yeah, they're getting married, yeah. Miura mm-hmm. is going to go meet Natsuno's parents. Um, mm. Fuck. God, gotta stop saying that. I gotta stop getting mad about saying it, too. Takamiya, yeah. And then Hijiyama and Okino are, I put, together. They are together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have a kid. Do they? Oh, I didn't know that. I just remember Wait. the whole, when they go back into the AI, they go back into the, the into the, the virtual reality. Uh, he's talking, uh, what was it? Hijiyama's talking to Tamao. And, I'm sorry, uh, no, like, hold on, before, keep that in mind. I'm sorry, okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I no said the wrong names. <laughs> no worries. Um, 
when Natsuno and Miura are together, we also learned that Nenji Ogata and Yuki Takamiya are together. They're the ones who have a kid. I'm sorry. That's where I confused it. And there's this really cute moment where um, Takamiya comes up to uh, Natsuno and she's like, uh, hey, I'm really excited for your, or no, <laughs> she's not that way. She's like, hey, you're finally taking this seriously or you're finally getting married. And Miura's saying, yeah, I'm trying to take this seriously. And then uh, Shu Amiguchi comes up. I think uh, I think uh, Takamiya was talking about how she thought that he was flirting with Shina Nome, but that was just um, Ida, his other self, flirting mm-hmm. with Shina Nome. Right. But he has this cute moment where he says, "Like, there's nothing more important in this world in any timeline than you and our daughter." Uh-huh. And she's like, whatever, I'm going to go hang out with Natsu. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Natsu's like, hey, you should hang out with him. And she's right. like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see if I take his phone call. Right. Really cute because it looks like Shu Amaguchi is still obsessed with her. But he's like, oh, yeah. devoted to her. I really like that. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, now we'll get to Hijiyama Hiji and Okino. Okay, no, yeah. So if I yeah, if I remember right, what happens is the they end up in a the, they go back in the virtual reality and uh, Hijiyama is talking to Tamao mm-hmm. and the Tamao o- from his time, yeah, from his time, yep. And then uh, Okino comes out from the right side of the screen and he's and he's in his uh, and he's in his what his uh, what do you call it when you're uh, he was dressed up as as, as a woman. So yeah. and then yeah. he, he he's like, Oh, this is where you've been hiding. Were you taking her out on a date? And he's like, It's not like that. Yeah. And here's the part but, that I really liked about that too, is that uh she uh Okino is like, How about you and I go, you know, go go hang out, go go have some fun. And uh Hijiyama has a little has a little bit of reservations, even though you know Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because like yeah. um basically Okino brings up, Hey, this is virtual reality. I can be whoever I want. And so that, it sounds like he, uh, I yeah. can like have female parts. She doesn't, yeah. he doesn't say it specifically, but he's like, Hey, I might have a vagina now. Yeah. 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 I and, took it as that he had a vagina. <laughs> so like, I, I really like that part and I wanted yeah. to talk about it because like, uh, Hijiyama, uh, he seemed to be like kind of thrown off by that. He's like, we've been together for five years now. Like that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Okino is just like, come on, let's just hang out. But, Right. His Okino way where he's just like discrediting his feelings, uh, Hijiyama's feelings at all. Just like, I'm in control. I'm in charge. So let's mm-hmm. just go do this thing. But I love that uh, um, Takatoshi, he's basically like, hey, the issue wasn't if you had a vagina or not. Like, we have other issues. It's that you're mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, it makes me kind of, their dynamic, their, their relationship, at least their current relationship, makes me kind of wonder how that, how the paradigm works and that, and that, and that, how it works in that relationship. But well, you know, especially since, since he said, like, it's been five years. Right. Probably had like a ton of sex already. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but when you look at their older versions, like when they were still on the, when they were, they hadn't gotten to the planet yet and they were still having, you know, the, all the different people were still kind of like, you know, on the, on that, on that ship talking. So they're still, they were, they were full grown adults didn't seem like they had like that weird, like almost like, you know, Okino being like a dominant person in the relationship looked like their relationship was very, they were both like in the same ends conjunction, same spot. No one was more dominant than the other. 
Yeah, they seemed like they were in love with each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing uh, that Tsukasa Okino was a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's yeah, this. Yeah, this this game was just yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. They did a good job with like all of the all the relationships. Every it's, uh, every single everything about it. And but so, do you want to go? To, oh, theory crafting. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we didn't cover nope. all of it yet because oh, okay. um, I did have a note about the two Tamals meeting. Oh, that's right. Because that's interesting because the reason that there are two Tamal Kurabes is because one of them uh, was the original who was converted into AI and made into the AI of one of the Sentinels. And the other Tamal Kurabe is the actual Tamal Kurabe. But she only remembers her time from Sector 5, which was like the old-timey World War II. 1945 to 1949, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she, she, she meets her other self who has lived in uh, the 1985 era. And um, it's really cute that the, she's kind of taking her under her wing. She's like, let me show you what's happened in 40 years because uh, what these people did, the people who brought us back here, what they did was a miracle. And I really like that. And then at the very end, uh, Kyuta Shiba goes and meets with Chihiro Morimura. Mm-hmm. And then Kyuta changes back into Juro Izumi and tells Chihiro, like, I am fulfilling our promise. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, I love you. Mm-hmm. And they embrace. And then that's when the screen fades to black and then you get the end. Yeah. So well, remember the, uh, remember that Ch- Ch- uh, Chihori, uh, Ch- uh, Chihori or whatever. Yeah. They, she grows up into her adult self too. So like Kyuta Shiba changes into, into his, adult, his, his grown up self. And then so does, and then uh, Chihori grows up into her grown up self. Chihori. <laughs> I, what is her, uh, I can't, Chihori, Chihiro. The girl. I can't remember her name. The slut, uh, hey. More, more, the, 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 the desirable, voluptuous one. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to get into theories now? Cause, hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, I'm not sure if I have theories about this, except for, I don't know, what's going to happen or why it happened. Or tell me yeah, your thoughts the, first. The only theory I really have is that uh, just going based off of what the that recording of uh, Chihiro Morimura saying that if you see this recording, the ARC project was successful and mankind is... That was extinct. crazy to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I still very much think that the human race on Earth is probably didn't die out. Like, they probably, I mean, they probably got screwed, like, probably got, like, screwed over hardcore from all the conditions. But, you know, the planet Earth has a way of healing itself, even if we, no matter what we do to the planet Earth, it's always going to probably somehow come back anything short of, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's very far out there thinking, but it's possible that the Earth is not, it healed itself. No, I, I completely, um, I completely agree, because uh, they said traveling to this other planet took thousands possibly millions of years Mm -hmm. and the earth there's we could do so much damage to it we are doing a lot of damage to it we're changing it so much and climate change is real we're fucking changing the temperature of this planet but the only damage we're really doing to it is to ourselves and the animals and the plants but once we're gone and dead and in this case uh some disease caused by nanomachines once humanity is wiped out, there's nothing to say that millions of years that Earth would heal itself and, you know, loop 
quote unquote loop again humanity and mm. maybe i don't know maybe we the the average height would be eight feet tall and our feet would be claws or if there's a lot of <laughs> if, there's, if, if the new planet if the new if the the healed planet earth has higher levels of oxygen then yes humans would be bigger than we are now we would just maybe be different kinds of humans. Exactly. Well, think about the nanomachines because if the humans died out, the nanomachines could have possibly have adapted to be on that planet and the nanomachines could have evolved and become the new human being. Like that episode of Futurama. I don't know if you watch Futurama. Yeah, I don't watch it enough. Okay, so there, yeah. there's this episode where um, Professor Farnsworth, they, okay, so I think the museum has an exhibit where they're highlighting evolution but their their viewpoint of evolution is like kind of like it's flawed. I can't remember how. Okay. But Professor Farnsworth Farnsworth says, uh, "I don't want to live on this planet anymore because it was stupid." But they end up going to an asteroid or like a small planet, and um, there's like oil for water, and so he mm-hmm. creates nano machines to eat up all the undesirable parts of the liquid and make it like drinkable water. Mm-hmm. But the, those nanomachines end up uh, evolving in the same way that humans did. Like there's dinosaurs and then apes and then humans and then a society. And then the same thing happens where they have a museum and they're like, uh, God created us and <laughs> we were placed here. <laughs> it, it, like it, the same fucking thing happened. So yeah, I, I, I would see the same thing happening with nanomachines, uh, especially if there's a nanomachine disease on Earth the nanomachines would outlast even the cockroaches. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then another, so that's, that's one theory that I, and then, you know, who knows what would happen though with the, with those two human races ever interact with each other. I'm not even going to make a theory about that. But then, uh, so I thought about with how there's 15 original people, right. They're on this planet. They, they were all in their, their, their pods they went through their gestational periods. They fully formed into 20 year old individuals, got released into this new world. And they started to bring back, started to bring the AI consciousnesses into human bodies. Right. So part of me started to think about how would, how would, you know, someone there's got to, there has to be leadership. The human, like there's got to, yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because when I was watching the ending, I was like, wait, if they get released from their pods, what are they just going to be like kids? out there like what are they going to do like probably like starve and die but there's that video that says like okay now that you're 18 we're going to give you two years of training and give you the materials and then we'll set you out there and then that's probably why they thrived is that there was Mm -hmm. that it's like i think it's five years after they turned 20 because they were released when they were 18 Mm -hmm. which i i thought before when we were talking about the story is I thought that they were in the VR till they were 20, but I guess it was until they were 18, which is why it I happened probably, every no, 15 about, yeah. to 16 years, mm-hmm. uh, the Dimos attacks. So when they turn 18, they finally get released, but then they have to go through training. And then after mm-hmm. the training, then they can develop uh, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really seem like there was any person particular in charge. Did you I mean, think one, that one of them would stand out as the leader? Oh, Rania Gota. Oh, yeah. Rania Gota was probably the person who... Rania Gota and uh, Shinonome were probably the ones that were uh, probably... Oh, yeah. Helping, yeah, totally. Were probably helping, gu- were helping to guide them. Uh, but since they were also creating new humans, though, I kind of wonder if, um, 
you know, they're human beings. And the thing about human beings is we all have certain drives. And the one drive that we have that we've never been able to deny ourselves is war. Can we talk about how sexy that scene was where uh, Jiro Karabe comes out of his pod and he sees uh, Yakushiji? Yakushiji, and yeah. Naked, and yeah. they're just like staring at each other. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And we yeah, all get yeah. to see each other naked. It was kind of dreamy. I was a little like, uh, I was a little, a little jealous. <laughs> She's like, kind of like subtly covering her boobs. I don't, right. The way right. that she was, it looked like she wasn't like ashamed of it. It was just more like how she was posing. Yeah. How her hair was falling. And then Juro mm-hmm. was just like out there naked too. And I was like, mm. Well, if they're eighteen, then I can. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I can yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> well, Part of me kind of my mind went to the gutter too. I was like, "What? I wonder what they, they they left outside." But something tells me when he when Kurabe was like, <laughs> "I can finally touch you, feel your heartbeat, all this stuff." I was like, yeah. "What's stopping you? What's stopping you two from just going at it right now?" Yeah, why don't you just like go <laughs> right now? I was like, "Go outside. I want to see Menji." <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Maybe, if they're yeah, all standing outside naked like yeah give me and they're all yeah the ones that do like each other are all kind of getting into it <laughs> yeah Sorry. give me i want to see miura naked a sakigahara <laughs> naked i want to see ogata and he actually all the guys all the let's guys. just see all let's just see every single one of the characters <laughs> naked all of them and when i look at the girls i'm like well they're all hot too so like all these right. hot people naked like right come on just show me <laughs> <laughs> have them all be posing like discreetly but like yeah i want mm-hmm. to no, see some naked i, I naked. <laughs> all the i watched rewatched you know all like some of the ending not all of the ending stuff but up until up until you see the new world and basically i watched from the final battle the, the before the final battle started well actually when it started so i got to watch all of them transform like do their whole call the sentinel thing like lift up, lift up their shirt and call themselves, or you know, swipe their neck and call and call the call the uh, robot. So all the men have like it's like on their forehead or on their arm or on their like somewhere that's like so not sexy. And all the women, it's like oh, on my upper thigh up here, let mm-hmm. me lift my skirt, or on my yeah. boob, let me. <laughs> let me- <laughs> My shirt down a little bit. Are you talk, you're you're like, talking about Takayama. Takayama. <laughs> how she pulls down her shirt. Takamiya. Yeah, Takamiya. <laughs> and and Yora, uh, yeah, and lifts up her skirt and. <laughs> like, why couldn't there be like one of the guys like have it on the V of his like stomach? You know, that like, would have worked actually. Like, that could have. I could have actually worked down a little bit and like swipe up down there or like. Well, I could. I could see them doing it like kind of like as a uh, as a joke if they made one of the characters fat and had him lift up his lift up <laughs> lift up his shirt and swipe swipe his belly. So- <laughs> Well, uh, fat people can be attractive too. Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you got uh, you got a thick girl. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Miwako. Miwako. Miwaka. Miwako. Yep. She's a muppet. Would you <laughs> so, date her? I probably. I think. I think I might have. I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really a bunch of side guy characters that aren't a They're part really- of the main cast. They're really the only, the only person I think. Oh, there was all those gang, all the gang guys, guys that always tried to fight with Ogata and Takiyama. Oh, they were such trash. They were so stupid. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, but that does bring up the point of when Shu Amiguchi, or not Shu Amiguchi, uh, Nenji Ogata, he was uh, walking away from the school and they were all like, hey, 
we've been waiting for you. We want to beat you up. And he's like, you've been waiting for me this whole time. And he starts so crying. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. Right. I said, you've been waiting for me this whole time. And he's like, yeah, go ahead and beat me up. It's fine. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Damn, so, dude. yeah. Um, watching it again, I, I don't know why I didn't remember it, but it was a really great ending. I love that it mm-hmm. like went for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Just like kind of wrapping things up and really kind of telling you the things that you wouldn't have to fill in with fan fiction. And here's something interesting though, too. I don't know if you if you notice this. The very last event, it show it says that the probes still went out searching for new planets at the end what of it. What does that mean then? That's it. Ah, so I get to a whole other part of your crafting. I think that the the program still is possible that the um some part of the mothership may have, once another planet was detected, another planet would be terraformed, and the same thing would happen on another planet. I think it does happen on another planet. You see, when you go, if you watch the last event, you see the whole Dimos attack happen again, which brings, which means it's possible that there's another planet that was terraformed that has the same events that are happening on the planet that you finally see the end of, or at least as the start of. You're talking about the one that's 12 light years away? Or some other planet. There's that doesn't make sense, though, because the only reason that the Daimos attack was happening was because of Shina Nome. Right. Must she affect... Like, I thought the, the mothership you'd landed. You'd have to... You'd have to yeah. No, so you're not, right. It didn't, it didn't land, yeah. You're right. Land. It just terraformed mm-hmm. the planet. Yep, and it dropped, the, it dropped their, the section of the ship that had their life pods onto the planet. Everything they needed That's to... That's nuts. If yeah. like, the thing keeps traveling then and like just goes to other planets and like just makes clones of them... I think it's possible. We could have a it, sequel where just like different <laughs> things happened. Yeah. But you know, if you watch the last event, that's what happens. You see, it says that it pans out from a planet and it says the probes went out. So the probes went out searching for other planets. And then it goes back to that, that AI city. And you see, I want to say it's Ogata and uh, uh, Kisaragi. They're both standing in the middle of the street. Everything's on fire. And you see, you see the Demos attacking and you see them about to do their thing to fight the Demos. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't make sense because Sector Zero, which is the basically the life force of the whole thing, it only mm-hmm. lasts uh five thousand years and it's already went through its whole process. Well, don't forget that the demos are supposed to be built they're supposed to be the demos are supposed to be building things and they're supposed to be terraforming things. It's possible that that they repaired is- it. Or that there's more than You're one. You're right, because there's they said that one. like after it wasn't that like Sector Zero would be defunct after 5,000 years. They said that it would just need to be rebuilt. Right. So it's possible. Whoa. Yeah. So it's possible that, this, that the same, the same events <laughs> so are different or some of the same events would happen on another planet somewhere else. All the twists and turns, all the craziness. We couldn't even talk about one character without having to talk about another character. Everything that happened, all these spaghettis mm-hmm. interweaving with each other. They planned for this mm-hmm. saying that Vector zero could be rebuilt. Not saying yeah. It would just need to be repaired and rebuilt a little mm-hmm. bit. They so, yeah, there's nothing for this. Oh my god! <laughs> there's if there's like, Go I bet if like the next game is like 14 Sentinels or something, <laughs> I would be okay if they don't make another game. To be honest with you, I feel like this is a, a, a masterpiece. It's a one and done. I, me too. But I mean, yeah. the writing was superb. I wouldn't yeah. see that they wouldn't be able to make another superb story. Yeah. Or something, yeah, yeah, God, I mean, I just, let's just hope that, uh, who was the studio that made this? I don't even know. Vanillaware. 
Vanillaware. Okay. Let's just hope that they give us another awesome narrative. Another game. Yeah, because gonna, like yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was editing I was editing the first part of our of our um conversation and I was saying I was talking about their previous game and you were mentioning Atlas. Um Atlas does a bunch of different things. They do a lot of crazy things, but Vanillaware, their previous project was Dragon's Crown, which was just a beaten up beat 'em up with uh no story. Like it has like a bare bones story. Kind of mm-hmm. like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. Um big busty characters if you want to look them up. I saw the characters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was really play it. Uh I've played that game. I played it with Fabrice and I would have never expected them to do this as their next game. So I would either appreciate a a good sequel to 13 Sentinels or um, just a new game that focuses on narrative, if not Mm. like just improving on what they've already done with this game. I assume that they'll be doing something else just because all I know that they've done is Dragon's Crown and they didn't do a sequel to that. Instead, they did this. So mm. they might seem like a studio that just wants to try different things every time. Mm. Very different things. So who knows mm. what's next? I want to try and support them as much as possible, even though I do not intend to play Dragon's Crown. I do happen to have it on the PS Vita, but I probably won't play it. <laughs> That's fine. It's yeah. not the best game. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Let's see crazy sale. After all. Ooh. Well, we can get in. I won't get into that, bro. <laughs> What's the best game ever made? Uh. Do you have any final thoughts about this game? Yeah, um, I'd have to say, like, if you're just a if you're a mech fan, or like I said, if you're a fan of convoluted storylines, give this game a shot. Cause even though yes, it's getting mentioned as one of the games for the best narrative for the game awards for 2020. Um <laughs> It's there's a good chance it's not going to win because of Last of Us Two and Final <laughs> Fantasy Seven or Final Fantasy Seven. So and I feel like this might be one of those gay those games that's extremely underrated because it has I would say out of all and this is me personally coming from here out of all the games that came out in 2020 it has the best narrative in my opinion. If you've listened this far without playing the game, mm-hmm. and I bet. If you haven't played the game and listened this far, you're probably very confused. But Please, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense when you're playing it. You just have to kind of shift your thoughts around and remember what's happening. But it's totally worth it. The graphics are beautiful. The gameplay is really fun. Uh, it's a different game. I can't even really think of another game that's like it, honestly, uh, in terms of gameplay and story. But Josh, you're right. The I think I said it earlier too that I've never been told this story before. Mm. It's so interesting, and I love that. Yeah, if you like mechs, there's tons of cool mech action in this game, but it's way, way more than mechs. It is. Mm-hmm. And something you want to let y'all know too currently for Black Friday sale on PlayStation, you can buy this game. I think it's like half off or something right now. It's Get on it. sale. It's get on it. sale. Yeah, get. It. I mean, if you have the money, please get it. You'll spend easily sixty to seventy hours playing this, and it mm-hmm. you'll get a platinum pretty easy. You just play it's the story and then just do a few extra things, and a platinum mm-hmm. there for you. So worth it. So worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us, buddy. Mm-hmm. 
I really didn't know how this was going to go because the story is so fucking complicated. <laughs> There's so much we still didn't cover. Yeah. Uh, that's up to you, the player out there, to discover for yourself. Mm. Please uh, rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your listening plat- platform is. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, our music, uh, aside from this episode, which we're just using 13 Sentinels, but uh, our music for our regular episodes, which release every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, uh, is provided by Naughty Bits. That's Naughty Bits, as in mm, yeah, but Naughty you, Boy. Yakushiji's Naughty Bits, once she covers up. <laughs> Yakushiji's joining me in the bidoir. Would you like to join you, Naughty Boy? That's Naughty Bits. You can find him on SoundCloud. Uh, you can also ask us questions or submit your feedback to us on um, on Twitter. That's at Cauldron Gaming. At Cauldron Gaming. Thank you, Fabrice. Thank you, Fabrice. And that should be it. Everybody stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Be safe. Mm. Mm. Oh, God. How did I forget my regular thing? Let's say, Les Bons en Roulet. I'm just going to skip right to it. Game on, baby. <laughs> okay. Be you, be kind. Game on. Game on. <laughs>